Welcome into episode 24 of the PrintFest DFS podcast. My name is Justin Rue alongside Scott Bandy, and we're breaking down the week 17 lineup uh, that we played on DraftKings. So this lineup just totally smashed, uh, scored 187 and a half. The line to cash in double ups uh, sat around 172. So um, this one got triple ups, it got all that. And so it's just a, a total, total smash on this lineup. And yeah, I feel really solid about the process. Um, you know, overall, we finally got we're starting to get even here on on Derrick Henry, who is just like buried us over the last couple of weeks. But finally, we're starting to get even on him. Um, you know, he put up 39 points and he was a chalkiest running back on the slate. But uh, I mean, it, it's it feels good to, to start to get even on Derrick Henry. Yeah, <laughs> for once, you know. We didn't fade him when he smashed, and we didn't play him when he you know, crapped his pants. So that feels nice. A little print fest to end, you know, the main, the regular season. So it's definitely been up and down, but, you know, stick to the process and we're printing. So, yeah, it was another solid week. We probably have, you know, I would think one more week of cash games, you know, with the six-game slate coming up this weekend. But after that, I mean, we're talking about a four-game slate. So, uh I don't really think – I mean, I'm sure a lot of people will be out there playing cash games, but that, that's <laughs> going to be too many dupes for me, so. Yeah. Yeah, playing cash games on a four-game slate, that just sounds like, uh, you know, God, this just sounds like hell. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be back on Friday to break down the, the six-game wildcard weekend slate. That should be fun. So, starting with this lineup, uh, you know, we, we had the highest – scoring quarterback on the main slate with Kirk Cousins and he put up 37.3 and God, I mean, they had over 400 passing yards, had three tutties and he even had a rushing touchdown uh, on a, you know, uh, QB sneak at the goal line. So at 6,300, um, you know, we, we knew that the motivation for the Vikings was not going to be there, but I mean, it wasn't there for Detroit either. And this game in the dome, was I, I thought it was going to be a shootout once we knew that Matt Stafford was going to play. So, um, yeah, I mean, he, he was the chalkiest quarterback on the slate, and rightfully so. I mean, it's just, it was just a total smash, <laughs> Kirk Cousins. Yeah, dude, for me this week, it was really just Kirk Cousins, Lamar Jackson, and Aaron Rodgers. And, I mean, with Kirk Cousins being 6,100, he was 1,700 cheaper than Lamar. Um what about 1100 cheaper than Aaron Rodgers? So, and Cousins has been really, really solid this year, week in, week out. I mean, he's been putting up 20 points left and right. So, at 6,300, I really like I wanted to play Rodgers and Lamar, but I didn't need to. Like, I felt like I was going to get the same thing from Cousins that I got from either one of them. <laughs> Man, I, I don't, I would assume this is his best game of the year. I haven't checked, but yeah, he just totally smashed. Um, not quite a windmill because of his ownership, but yeah, I mean, the only, the only real, uh, concern I had here with cousins is, you know, Mike Zimmer does what Mike Zimmer wants to do. He just pounds the rock all day with Alexander Madison, but that didn't happen. So yeah, a great, great spot for, for cousins and it paid off. Yeah. And I think without Dalvin cook being out there, I think that they just kind of lean towards the pass even more, um, so, you know, with, with Stafford playing and with Dalvin being out, I thought that that just made Cousins extremely strong at, at a middling price of 6,300. 
Um, so moving over to running back, um, we mentioned at the top that we were getting unstuck on Derrick Henry. So, you know, I mentioned on the Friday pod that Derrick Henry just in spots like this, take it on a Houston defense that, you know, is the worst run defense in the NFL. They allow 5.4 yards per attempt uh, against them. And Derrick Henry in spots where they have a massive total, the, their implied total was 31, I believe. They end up scoring 41. This is a total shootout. And Derrick Henry, we, we knew that he needed 223 yards to get to 2,000. We knew – I don't know. I don't know if they were really trying to get him there, but I think that once he had like a buck 50 in the first half, they were just going to keep jamming it to him. Um, and he ended up having over 30 attempts in this game. And, and man, 39 points is just uh, – yeah, if you faded Derrick Henry in this in this spot here, um, yeah, that was probably wrong. Yeah, sixty-seven percent owned. Like, if you didn't have him, you donated to the good people at DraftKings this week. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is just the worst run defense that I think I've ever seen. Like Houston got absolutely pummeled last week by Gio Bernard and Samaje Pivot. Like they let them put up like one hundred and fifty yards. So, like, what did you think the King was going to do in a must-win game for Tennessee to, to wrap that division up? And he needed, you know, a very gettable 223 yards to get to 2,000. And, yeah, one, at halftime, when he had, like, 150, you, you knew Mike Frabel said, fuck everything else, we're getting there. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this is just – this is exactly what we were looking for from him. Uh, I mean, no, we didn't expect 250 yards, but – I mean, holy shit, like our running backs, we got over 600 yards combined from the three of them. Like, <laughs> like wow. Um, but, yeah, if you didn't play Derrick Henry, especially with, with you know, Alvin Kamara being ruled out and not having uh, him at that same price point, that just inflated Henry's ownership even more. So, if you didn't play him, I mean, you're, you're just dead. Like, you just straight up lost money. Yeah. So the second second running back we played that we paid up for is Jonathan Taylor, and and he's really been coming on the last uh, five or so weeks. Um, you know his missed tackles per attempt have been skyrocketing the last couple of weeks um, compared to early on in the season. So I think he's really starting to to figure it out. We know he was an elite prospect coming out of Wisconsin, um, and of course in a must win game, you know at home against a future Jacksonville defense that just wants to move on and get Trevor Lawrence. Um, I mean, yeah, he, he ran for 253 yards and, and had two tutties and scored 41.4. just a total, total smash. But I think that, um, you know, playing running backs in spots like this where it's a must-win game, um, a lot of times their snap rates really get jacked up higher and teams like to lean on their best players uh, in must-win games. And, and Jonathan Taylor's snap rate uh, got up over 80% for the first time all year. So – uh, I think they're going to continue featuring him moving forward in the playoffs and uh, the cat's out of the bag with Jonathan Taylor. He's a total stud. Yeah. I'm really hoping that Frank Reich keeps this up with, with JT next year because he's probably going to be locked in as a top five pick in fantasy. But um, regardless, once the Camara news and the Saints running backs were all ruled out and we got time on running back became very, very straightforward. It was just Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Tymont, and I don't think either one of us really thought about going elsewhere after that news hit. Like it, it just became very uh, set in stone. So, 
another terrible run defense in Jacksonville. We knew that the Colts had to win the game. Philip Rivers, you know, you're not going to lean on him, but the fact that it was his last game ever, you know, it adds to the motivation of the Colts, you know, had they lost this game. It would have been his last game. So, yeah, and Jonathan Taylor's just been smashing week in, week out. Uh, Jordan Wilkins phased himself out through, you know, poor play. Uh, Naheem Hines is still getting, you know, jammed at the middle a few times every week, which is, I mean, we got to get rid of that. But, <laughs> yeah, enough, 250 yards, again, from top Jonathan Taylor, like, man, oh, man, he just completely smashed. I mean, we were winning money before he, you know, he hit that last touchdown at the end of the game. And then uh. it, was, it was just pants off of that point. So, yeah, JT is just a total stud. Yeah. And the last running back, we completely punted it off with Ty Montgomery. So we were planning on playing Latavius Murray, um, you know, when Alvin Kamara uh, tested positive for COVID. And then the entire running back room, they all were close contacts. So none of them could play. So that just left Ty Montgomery and Tony Jones, uh, their practice squad running back. And we know Ty Montgomery is actually a decent sized player. And we know he's like mainly a wide receiver, but he did play running back um for a year there in green bay and he had a couple games where you know he had like 15 or 20 carries so we know he can carry the load if he needs to um and then you know taking on this carolina defense that's you know basically middle of the road to to below average against the run and and at 4k you know with, with him being that like the wide receiver background we know he would have a pass catching floor which you know i thought was pretty bankable but he only having one reception that he really leaned on the run he had a he, he ended up getting to the bonus uh, in the rushing department rushing for 105 yards so yeah, i mean at 4k the score 14.7 that was certainly nice yeah i mean time on going back to his days in green bay we saw that you know he had a pretty good stretch there where he was a very productive player uh, he definitely did more on the ground than i think anyone expected him to and only one reception like <clears throat> Pretty much opposite of what we thought was going to happen. Taysom was involved. You know, he cucked the touchdown, but we still got there with Ty Mont, 14.7 at 4K. I mean, can never be mad about that. So, yeah, like I said, running back was very, very easy this week after the, the Kamara news. So, um, I guess the only thing else Sorry, to add is – Damn, Alexa just went off. The only other thing to add here is that if you play Ty Johnson, you're a total fish. <laughs> Like, if you play a Jets running back in any situation, you're a total fish. He lost his job during the game. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, just just wanted to, to throw that out there. Yeah, and Ty Johnson was like 20% owner. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. Playing a Jets running back is just uh, – or a Jets player in general with Adam Gase there is just dumb. And Adam Gase is gone now, so maybe we can look to him next year. But, God, I mean, I just can't imagine playing a Jet in 2020. So, moving over to wide receiver, um, you know, we, we just continue to jam Devontae Adams. And and he ended up scoring 16.6. He ended up getting the box like he always does. He kind of underwhelmed here. Um, you know, I would have probably projected him for probably 23 or so points here. But, you know, he was the highest-owned wide receiver on the slate. Um, you know, take it on Chicago. It's basically like a middling matchup. But, you know, Green Bay scored 35 points, and and Devontae Adams only scored 16. So I, I think we we ran kind of bad here with Devontae. They the Bears had the ball for much longer than Green Bay did in this game. Time possession wise, it I think it ended up being uh, 
you know, swaying way further in favor of, of Chicago in this spot, even though Green Bay blew the doors off him and, and beat him 35-16. So, yeah, I mean, it was kind of lower volume passing game for Green Bay. Um, so that kind of dinged Devontae's volume. But I'd never feel bad about playing Devontae Adams in cash. Yeah, but one thing you know that you're probably going to get with Adams is a touchdown. <laughs> we did get that to help, you know, easing easing yeah, the poor game. But yeah, in his last what 22 games, he has 25 touchdowns now. That's just ludicrous. Like he, this is four, like six for 46 and one. You know, 16 point outing. If that's your four from a receiver, um, like you, like you're not going to find anything better than that, really, at any position. So. Yeah, bad game. The game, you know, the time possession was just so lopsided. Uh, when he had two, what, one or two catches a half, it really wasn't looking good. And then the Bears seemed like they had the ball for the entire third quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, he always just seems to get there. He had, you know, five receptions, I think, in the fourth quarter alone. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. His ownership definitely helped um, – Definitely helped the poor game since, you know, about half the field had him. It didn't really hit us too bad. And then, of course, we'll get there. But LaVisca going off, I mean, that just kind of solidified that we were making money. Yeah, I mean, LaVisca, so at 4,200 with DJ Chark out, uh, you know, taking on Indy where we knew Jacksonville would be just getting their their faces smacked in. Um I thought that LaVisca at 4,200 was really, really strong. We know he was a good prospect coming out of Colorado. He's a second round pick and he's really starting to come on now um, in the last few weeks. And, you know, he ended up getting, getting in the box twice, scoring 24.6 and he ended up going six for 68 and two. So, you know, I, I like Chanel as a player. I thought that 4,200 was just too cheap um, with DJ Chark out, even though, yeah, there's not much motivation for Jacksonville and Mike Glennon's at quarterback. I just think that, you know, talent and volume, you just kind of jam that in with with the 4,200 price tag. Yeah, we certainly ran a little bit hot uh, with two touchdowns here, but we're not going to complain. Yeah, LaVisca is just a really good, really good talent. Um, and he stayed cheap all year. Even though, I mean, he's had, you know, some up and down games, but, you know, with no DJ Chark, and no Colin Johnson. Uh, that really just solidified his role as the number one. Liked Chris Conley too, but you don't you're not as sure what you're getting there. I'm really excited for LaVisca going into next year to see if you know the new coach comes in, uh, whether it's Urban Meyer or someone else, to see if they start using him uh, in that kind of satellite back role that he was using in college. Like he was used really as a playmaker, not just as a receiver, but he was getting legit work out of the out of the backfield because of his athleticism. Uh, man, if they start giving him that, kind of like the Niners do with Debo, going the next year, it's going to be really solid. But, yeah, Debo, 4,200. I was between him and Judy all week. Um, ended up just going with LaVisca because, you know, no Chark, no Colin Johnson locked in, and I don't trust Drew Locke. That <laughs> I never trust Drew Locke. This, I mean, he got 15 targets last week, Judy did, and I think he got like five of them because Drew Locke is so horrible. So, yeah, Levisco is really strong. Yeah. 
And then we decided to punt off the wide receiver three position um, to really get up to Adams, Henry, and Jonathan Taylor. And we used that salary, 3200 for Josh Reynolds. And so Cooper Cup was on the COVID list, and Josh Reynolds basically is a full-time player at 3200 Yeah, as John Walford at quarterback, so it's, it's you know, kind of limits the ceiling of Josh Reynolds. But, you know, at 3200 he – I don't know. I mean, there is just like all of these like min price guys like Chris Conley and, you know, Keyshawn Johnson, Andy Isabella, you know, there's a bunch of these, these min price guys um, that you could have gone with. So we just end up going with Josh Reynolds and, you know, I, I don't feel bad about it. Um, you don't feel great about it either, but it's just kind of made the rest of the lineup work. Yeah. We, we at least knew that the motivation was going to be there for the Rams you know, they needed to win to get into the playoffs, and it was a division game. Um, they ended up beating Arizona to keep them out of the playoffs. Uh, so that's just extra motivation. And on top of that, there was no Cooper Cup uh, with him being on the COVID list. So you knew Reynolds was going to kind of just slot into that number two target uh, role in that offense. So and despite the fact that he just went four for 29, you know, 6.9 points, Technically, um, that's not value, but, you know, with the rest of, you know, our lineup just hitting the way it did, it didn't hurt that bad. Uh, I thought Reynolds was the best option down there at that at that price range. Um, maybe I would have played Chris Conley if I didn't, if I wasn't on Chenault. Um, but Reynolds, I thought, was a much better play than Isabella or Keyshawn or, you know, Denzel Mims, like those kind of guys. So, um Process-wise, I'm fine with it. We just it didn't hit this week. Yeah. And then at tight end, um, you know, we always talk about punting off tight end. And, and this week, there was no uh, Kelsey on the slate and, um, you know, with him sitting out. And, you know, Waller was up there, but Waller is 7,100. So, I mean, he's getting kind of expensive. And, you know, Mark Andrews is up there. But, you know, I, I maybe this was a mistake to play Irv. Irv has been pretty solid the last couple of weeks. And, you know, he was a stack with – Kirk Cousins with no Kyle Rudolph in there and and he'll end up going two for 30 and uh, you know maybe we should have punted off with you know Tyler Conklin or you know, Cole Komet or something like that and you know we're always a proponent of, of punting off tight end and you know, we didn't do it this week and maybe that was a mistake yeah I mean Donald Parham ended up having a ton of ownership which I don't, I don't know if either one of us expected that we, we considered him for you know, a couple seconds, but um, the stack with Cousins made Irv nice. You know, no Rudolph again. We thought this game was going to be high scoring with Stafford playing. Um, yeah, like I thought about Cole Komet, but the thing is there was just so many guys that were priced so barely ahead of those those mid-priced guys. Like Irv Smith was 3,900. Evan Ingram was 3,700. You know, you had Hayden Hurst down there. Um, so I, it just felt wrong to me to go down there when, you know, you get something that's more locked in role wise, just by paying up a little bit. Maybe it was a mistake. Um, 3,900 is probably too expensive for Herb Smith, uh, considering what we've seen from him this year. But, uh, I know I, I was only really going to play him or Evan Ingram and Herb actually outproduced yeah, Evan Ingram somehow, even though he only hit with five points, but. Yeah, I mean, tight end's just so hard to trust. Like, we're never going to pay up. It's pretty much exclusively going to be 4K and under. And a lot of weeks, we do aim to go, you know, 3K or below. So, yeah, I mean, it's tight end. Like, they all suck. So, uh, it's not 
I'm not too uh, mad at myself about this one. Yeah, I mean, at least we got the stack in there. And, you know, if we've catched a touchdown, you know, we're, we're sitting there excited. And if you don't catch a touchdown, we're basically dead. I mean, this is kind of the way tight end goes. Pretty much they're all kind of touchdown or bust. So moving over to defense, I, I thought the Jets were really strong at like 2,300. They were, you know, 300 above the minimum. And they were taking on Cam Newton, who's just been absolutely atrocious this year uh, for the Patriots. And, you know, I thought they're going to totally smash. Um, but of course, Cam has like his best game of his season. Um, so, I mean, is what it is there. I, I thought at 2300, I would play the Jets all over again against uh, just a trash Patriots offense. Yeah, I feel like eight out of 10 times in this spot, New England doesn't score 28. Like they had just been really bad. That's another 2v2 that I was on. It was either the Jets at 2,300 or the Browns at 2,500. And uh, the Jets obviously just made this line of construction fit. I, I did. I preferred the Browns in, in a vacuum, but the Jets, you know, I had no problem just slotting them in. Like, I think we actually ran cold here. You know, Cam went off, like, out of nowhere. So, yeah. um, I actually liked the Jets to cover the plus three. I thought the Jets were going to end up winning this game. I had it all in my head, you know, the Jets are going to end up winning. And again, Gase is going to keep his job. <laughs> you know, they're going to say, oh, Sam, uh, Sam Donald's our guy, and we're just going to roll into 2021 doing the same crap all over again. That's really what I thought was going to happen. Um, but, yeah, Jets to you 2,300, like, the, Jets to it hasn't even been that bad either. And now you – I mean, I think the Patriots are, like, a bottom five offense. So, um, yeah, like – and 15% ownership. I think they were the second highest tone on the slate behind the Browns. Um, so, but again, it's defense. Like it's, there's so much variance, like there's no point in paying up, you know, so 2,300, I would play them all over again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're always down to punt off defense, punt off tight end. Uh, those positions are just so volatile and, and very rarely even score more than like five points for your defense. So, I mean, is one of this. Might as well just punt it off if the defense is going to score like five points or less. So, you know, overall, other than Irv Smith, I actually feel pretty solid about uh, our process here. And clearly the results were, were totally, um, you know, over what we expected. But, you know, when you play guys like Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor and, you know, these guys have ceilings like that to just absolutely truck team for 250 plus yards uh, in any given outing. So, um, you know, I feel good about decisions that we made on this slate and and you know, we certainly profited on it so really a solid week so with that we're going to be back on friday night breaking down our favorite plays on the week or on the wild card weekend uh six game main slate that includes a saturday and sunday um triple headers on both so that should be fun uh, there's some really solid matchups there and um uh, we'll be back on friday night to break that down so with that, that's going to do it for episode 24 of the PrintFest DFS podcast. Until then, good luck, everybody.